0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, a couple new posts up. It's um, at Jeff Wagner 620 First of all... It is one of those examples of a picture being worth a thousand words. Now, one of the recurring themes of this program recently, and, and my belief is, it's time to end mask mandates. I, I, I'm really not and haven't been an anti-masker. I was kind of like a... What I, what I've heard described as sort of a mid-masker. I, I I understand that, especially for a while in closed-in quarters, that would be helpful. I think you know outdoors, there's never been any evidence suggesting that there was any sort of likelihood of of transmission. And now, as more and more people get vaccinated, as I've argued, I I think it's it's time to recognize that if we want. If we want people to continue to get vaccinated, we have to send them the message that, hey, you're 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 pretty much protected. And so we'll, we'll talk about that more in detail. But I've made the point before. But if you want to understand, apparently out in Madison. It now appears that the, the pandemic is officially over. Um, I have a story out of the Madison Papers. Uh, they're big block party that they have every year up on, on Mifflin Street in Madison, and they, they canceled it last year because of the, the COVID situation. But now, if you want to uh, go see it, well, it, it happened over the weekend. And if you look, well, the, the video that I have a link to shows a guy, young man, Standing on the top of an SUV, kicking in the windshield, surrounded and being cheered on by hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, at this Mifflin Street party, um, nobody, of course, wearing, wearing masks, you know, and, and no, so it, it's like it, it's over for, for all intents and purposes. And apparently it's over in Dane County and it's over in Madison. No, nobody is wearing masks, especially if you're going to go out and stand on an SUV and kick in the windshield. Just an amazing picture. But now Madison officials appear to have decided that the pandemic is in fact over. So if it's over in Madison, no need to wear masks outside or arguably inside. Why, why don't we just drop these requirements and move on? In addition, there is another posting I have. Again, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Wagner 620 And it raises one of these interesting points that dovetails on something we talked about last week. I We, we had the situation of the 15-year-old girl who was shot in Columbus, Ohio, and Um, as she was in the process of knifing a a second girl in, in a fight. And that's created all this controversy and things of the like. And the question that I raised that actually was first posed by one of our callers was, What does it say about all the people that were there that are standing around and just watching this happen and pulling out their cell phones and and videoing this so that they have a record of it? Meanwhile, you've got these kids that are, you know, first of all, it starts out as a brawl and then it escalates into a knife fight at some point in time. Don't we as a society have an obligation to do more than just be bystanders and stand by and watch these kids fight? Well, there's another example of that. It happened over the weekend at the Miami airport. And if you want to see a video of it, again, I've got a link up. There's a story in the Miami Herald, and I've got a link on my Twitter account at Jeff Wagner 620 I will describe it a little bit later on in this hour, and, and we're going to discuss. But it, it's you're, you're in a public place, all sorts of people. A, a fight breaks out. And The the number of people that are surrounding the fight by far and away outnumber the people that are involved with the fight. Do we have an obligation to intervene? Should we intervene or do we just pull out our cell phones and, and watch people pound each other senseless? We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but let's get started. The There are three vaccines that you can take for COVID-19. There is the Pfizer vaccine. That's the one I got. You get two shots three weeks apart. There is the Moderna vaccine. That is two shots four weeks apart. And then there is the J&J, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine vaccine. The appeal of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is, even though it's not quite as effective in preventing people from getting COVID as the other two shots are, it's just as effective in preventing people. Even if you get COVID, you're, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to have serious consequences. You're not going to die. So it's, it's got a lot of desirability. But the real thing that is in the J&J vaccine's benefit is it's only one dose. You, you, you get it. And then you've got the protection. You don't have to fool around with you know, scheduling another appointment three weeks later to go back in and get your second dose, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been the real appeal of this. Well, about 10 days ago, uh, the numbers come out, and it shows that out of six or seven million doses that are given, six women – developed blood clots, and and one ended up dying. So six out of six to seven million, statistically completely and totally insignificant. And they weren't able to actually determine causation. In other words, they they, they weren't able to say that it's the shot that caused the blood clots. But it is true that you had six women who developed the blood clots after they got the shot. So maybe it caused it, maybe it doesn't. They made the decision, the government did, to pull the J&J shots off the the market. We're not going to administer these while we we look into this. So they look into it, they determine that it's still overall safe, that these were sort of like freaky things, and they're going to allow the J&J shot to now be administered again with with a warning that says, okay, well, you know, there, there were these blood clots and these statistically insignificant numbers. All right, there is a new poll out from the Washington Post, ABC News. It says that fewer than 25 percent of Americans who have not yet been vaccinated, fewer than 25 percent would be willing to get the J&J vaccine. Slightly fewer than half of adults say they consider the Johnson & Johnson vaccine very or somewhat safe. Uh, The other vaccines, people say, well, about seven out of 10 say they think they're safe. But effectively now, people do not trust the J&J vaccine. And people who haven't been vaccinated are saying in overwhelming numbers, we have no interest in getting it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The doctors are saying it's safe. The doctors are generally saying, hey, look, whatever whatever vaccine you can get, you should get. And if the place that you're going to has the J&J vaccine, there's no reason not to do it. Six instances of blood clots out of over 6 million and now people flat out don't appear to trust the vaccine 8556161620 statistically to me that, that's crazy it, it look if you're going to get vaccinated 6 out of 6.8 million it makes no sense at all that you would be hesitant about getting it secondly i think the government made a huge huge mistake In stopping the administration of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, because once they did that, they essentially set out the red flag saying, look, there is a concern about the safety of this. And there just weren't the numbers to do it. All right. Are you hesitant about getting the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? Would you get the J&J vaccine? And if you have gotten it? Are you are you worried that something bad is going to happen? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accudent Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this has been completely and totally mishandled. I don't think there was a reason to stop giving the shots. And candidly, if you look at the numbers, there's no reason for people to be afraid of the shots. And yet, the government, I think, has perhaps caused some of that fear by the way we handled this. We discuss in a minute. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accudent Mortgage Talk and Text Line.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Okay, so the original numbers, when when the J&J vaccine was pulled, they put a pause on this. And the numbers were about six blood clots and one death out of like 6.8 million. And somebody sent me a text. I guess the, the newest numbers... 15 blood clots out of nearly 8 million doses given. So that's that's 2 in a million. <laughs> I mean, okay. You know, go figure 8556161620. I don't think there was a reason to stop giving the vaccine. I think those numbers are so incredibly remote that all you do is play into the public hysteria. But would would you get the J&J vaccine? Um 75% of Americans now say based on Two out of eight, uh, based on two per million, fifteen out of eight million, they, they won't they won't trust this vaccine. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Now the good thing about all this is there are other options now. I mean, there, there's Pfizer that's around, there's the Moderna that's around, but it isn't as convenient. I mean, the appeal of the J and J vaccine was always, you know, one dose and then you're done, and and now. Okay, eight or 16, 15 U.S. recipients out of nearly eight million doses. I mean, my my goodness, at some point in time, don't we have to say, well, anytime you get a shot, anytime you have a procedure, anytime you start your car and go out on the roadway, there's at least a a chance that something bad is going to happen. And two in a million isn't that bad of an odds. Let's talk to uh, Brett and Resenia on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Brett, 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 Brett. Okay. Lost bread 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Jeff, I got the J&J vaccine. I would no, have no hesitation to do it again, even as a female in the age group that was impacted. There's a higher chance I'll be hit by lightning or die in a car accident than have an adverse side effect. People really need to get a better grasp of math and statistics. Um, <clears throat> Jeff. If I were to get the vaccine, the only one I would consider is the J and J. Biggest advantage of the vaccine is it doesn't mess with the MRNA in our bodies. Um yeah. 8556161620. Jeff, I'm a forty one year old healthy male. I got the J and J a month ago, zero issues. Yes, at the willing at the risk of being you know corrected. Of of these of these minuscule numbers of of reactions with the blood clots Um, again what is it 16 and 8 million okay of those ridiculously small numbers keep in mind that it's only females as well so I mean there's no evidence of bad reactions among among guys so if you're a guy why wouldn't you do it all right let's talk to uh, Greg and Racine Greg you're on WTMJ
2: Oh, uh, hi! I had the vaccine uh, on a Friday, probably, I don't know, it must have been three or four days before they halted this thing, maybe even sooner than that. I was over at, uh, it was was Walmart, and uh, there was a lady before me, she's sitting in there, they're giving her the the shot and everything, and everything's fine, the doctor's talking to her four or five minutes after, you know, telling her about what could happen and whatnot. So then after that, she walks over to the chair, he walked over there with her, they put her down in the chair. The lady was probably 35, maybe not even. Uh, she wasn't thin. She wasn't, super, you know, she's a medium build lady, uh, young lady. And then uh, she, she's sitting in the chair. I'm, I'm a registering because I'm the next one up. Right. And then I turn around and I hear a big thud. Boom. It's like, oh, the lady's face down on the concrete.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: She's out cold, kind of. Uh, re- we revived her. We didn't need to call 9 one We picked her back up and put her in the chair.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, pretty scary. Um, I was the next one in line. I took the shots and uh, <laughs> yeah, the other for a couple days after. and uh, yeah. and, and that was about it. Yeah, uh, well, no side effects die at all,
1: right? Yeah, Greg. I mean, look, and, and I understand pe- people have reactions. To these people have reactions to the flu shots. People, I, you, you can't guarantee that there's going to be no reaction. Now, I had the Pfizer, and I've told this before. I, I no reaction at all, none. I mean, but both doses, my arm really wasn't even that sore. My arm was a lot more sore after I got the the shingles vaccine like a year ago. Boy, that one hurt like you know what. I and and but I mean, I, I know people who've you know had reactions. A couple of my My teammates here, you know, got the shot and they were they were off sick the next day. And I and I I understand that. So I consider myself to be very lucky, knock on wood. But these are all sorts of minor, minor issues that are there. I mean, one of the things that's frustrating to me is is the fact that we we just don't do the math nowadays. And I I think the government plays into that. And admittedly, the media plays into this as well. You see the headline. Oh, we've suspended administration of the the J&J vaccine. Okay, well, why did we suspend administration of it? Well, you've got 15 people out of 8 million. Oh, OK, who who had reactions that may or may not be attributed to it. That That's the thing. But even if it is attributed to it, it's it's two in a million. I mean, I mean, seriously, if we want to encourage people to get vaccinated, what we need to do is we need to be talking about the. Hey, you know, if you look at the numbers, you know, nine hundred and ninety nine thousand nine hundred and ninety eight times out of a million, you're, you're going to be fine. And you present it like that. And I think people say, OK, well, that, that that's a pretty remote, um, risk, dude long-term side effects. That's what I'm scared of. We don't know that yet. Okay. Well, that's a decision that you're making that you don't want to get vaccinated. You don't want to take the risk. And that's fine. I understand that. If that's that's what your concern is, I I don't have a problem with it. But that's not why. It's not the concern of long-term side effects that has 75% of the people in this poll saying that they they don't want the J&J vaccine because they say 7 out of 10 say that they, they have no problems with the other one. It's merely that this panic that is out there that is based on, I think, number one, the government making the premature decision to pull the stuff off the market and do the pause and now say, okay, well now we're going to come back but we're going to give warnings. Well, okay, that's that's I mean that that's just like saying, okay, don't bother this. Jeff, I have a better chance of getting hit by lightning if I go out and lightning as well. I choose not to and likely will choose to get the Moderna. And that's 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 fine. Jeff, I'm a 60-year-old female. I got the J&J with no issues other than a sore arm. I was more concerned about the side effects of the other two. Sure. Jeff, I think the number of people willing to take the J&J would be much higher if they didn't have two other alternatives. I got the J&J two days before they pulled it off the market. I have no regrets. But again, if there are alternatives and I did not get my vaccine yet, I would get the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. I had a normal... Reaction. Jeff, for people concerned about long-term side effects, long-term side effects of of COVID are are worse. Well, I mean, that that again goes into the whole debate about should you get vaccinated or not. I encourage people to do it. For me, no problem at all. Jeff, I'm not going to get any of the vaccines until they are properly researched and approved by the the FDA. In the last year, we've been conditioned to believe that all COVID deaths are unacceptable and preventable, but eight deaths possibly due to getting the vaccine are acceptable. Hmm. Well, again, that's why I, i've been kind of a do the math guy for the better part of the whole year, saying that you have to analyze analyze risks it 's one of the reasons for the last year. I have been arguing that you know our our when we try to do mitigation. Now this is kind of an academic argument because we have the vaccines, but we try to do mitigation. I'm the guy that was arguing all along, we should have been putting our resources and most of our effort, most of the attempts at PPE and stuff to try to deal with the most vulnerable populations where you've got the 85 year old woman with congestive heart failure who gets COVID and it's much more likely to be fatal than the 29 year old guy who's otherwise in great health who gets COVID. Y- yes, can you have a bad result? Of course you can. But let's talk to uh, Linda. Linda, you're on WTMJ.
3: Oh, hello. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Just a couple of quick quick comments. When people say they had a reaction uh, from the vaccine, like that man described, that woman falling to the floor at the Walmart, uh, that really is not from the vaccine. It's just your body's response. It's a fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And that will cause you to become dizzy and pass out. It's a normal reaction. Uh, fight or flight uh secondly um i heard there's an overproduction now of vaccine across the board in the u.s uh so why be worried about this mass production of vaccine now and plus we have two others uh uh other than the j and j um and then i had another comment but uh oh as far as the reaction to the vaccine you know vaccines and medications None of them are safe. Well, if sure. you were to look up aspirin, there's probably a thousand reported reactions in a study group of well, well, sure. Yeah, well, Linda,
1: you're right. You're, my no, thanks. For, well, you're also. I mean, you look. Go go to your medicine chest. Pull out your your Advil or your Tylenol or you know whatever it is your Aleve or whatever it is that you take, and and you're gonna you're gonna see a warning label with Hey, you can you can possibly have these type of of reactions. Now, I'm not cur- encouraging people to be irresponsible, but you, you're you're exactly right. You could have reactions to almost anything and the question is what is the likelihood of that happening and i i'm just to do the numbers guy you look at the numbers and, and it's it's not that great kevin in Wapaca. kevin you're on wtmj
2: hi jeff how hi you doing Long Good. thanks for calling uh sure i uh i got the johnson and johnson vaccine i'm 64 years old and healthy uh about three and a half weeks ago and i had Less reaction than uh, your uh,
1: teammates yeah. there. At yeah, WTMJ. So no problem. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, no problem. A
2: little thirsty. Thirsty. A little bit tired that night. That was it. And nothing the next. You know, yeah. the next day I was fine. I'm not. I'm not one bit worried. And I was thrilled to only have to go get one.
1: Yeah. No. Thanks. And that, that's all thanks to Cotton. See, that's always what the appeal has been. And again, you you, you can decide for yourself. But I. I my point of this topic was when I, when I see this poll that now 75 percent of Americans are saying that they've decided that, that they think that this, this one particular vaccine is too risky to take. And my question is, is, based on what? OK, based on 15 reactions out of 8 million, if that's the latest numbers, I mean, seriously. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line group producing the show today and always. You are a baseball fan, as am I. Correct? Have
2: yes. You,
1: have you been? Have you been watching the controversy involving uh, Fernando Tatis, the guy from San Diego, the, over the weekend with the Dodgers? The oh, against the Dodgers? Yeah, about him covering the, the eye and doing the well. The well walk no, no, no. no it's, it's something different. I mean, so here is the deal. Now, um, Fernando Tatis. Who hasn't played that long, just signed a deal where 14 year contract for three hundred and thirty million dollars. Man, I tell you, I wish I could have hit a curveball. 14-year contract, $330 million, and he's kind of got a bad shoulder. But that, but that's neither here nor there. San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers are now arch rivals. San Diego, over the last couple years, has spent, despite the fact that the Brewers swept them three games last week, they have spent a ton of money in, in signing people and bringing in big-name free agents and stuff. And, and they and the Dodgers have become, like, huge rivals because L.A. has always spent, like, really stupid money bringing people. In. So there's a four-game series in L.A., and uh, Tatis just lit up the Dodgers, just lit up the Dodgers. The last three games, I, he was seven for 14, five home runs, six RBI, six runs scored. J- just lit them up. But here, here is apparently what happened. On Saturday night, he's at bat. It's in the sixth inning. And he hits a, a home run on a on a pitch from Trevor Bauer who is generally regarded as one of the top two or three pitchers in, in major league baseball. And and this this pitch was like way outside and he reached over and hit it. And so now they're going back and they're looking at the replays. And what you can see happen is Tatis, while he's standing in the batter's box, apparently looks back and sees where the catcher is set up. And the catcher's set up like on the outside of the plate, so he, he looks, he glances, and so he can tell that the ball is going to be like outside, and he reaches around and he hits it, so he, he's looking at. It. OK, the, the Dodgers, and I have multiple columns in the L.A. Times. The Dodgers are all bent out of shape about this guy was stealing signs. He knew where the pitch was going to be. He's cheating. Um, now, of course, a couple years ago, Major League Baseball was involved in this huge scandal involving Houston, who really was cheating. What Houston would do is is they'd have some guy that was watching the, the TV feeds from the center field camera, and he'd see the, the catcher was saying whether they wanted a fastball or a curveball or whatever, and then they'd radio that back to the dugout, and somebody would like bang on a bucket or something, and like one meant a fastball was coming in. That was cheating. In this case, Tatis is standing in the batter's box, and and the catcher is doing such a crummy job of—he apparently is setting up too early, or he's tipping the signs, or whatever. And the guy looks at him and he sees where it is, and so he knows where the ball is coming, and he hits it out. And is that cheating? Grew? That, that's not cheating, is it? No, I wouldn't. Th- I wouldn't think so. No, of course not. You're just—I mean, you're. If the catcher is sloppy enough to show where the ball is going to be coming, of course that—that's just. That's just taking advantage. If you've got a runner at second base who's looking in and is signaling the signs in because you haven't changed them, that that's just part of the game. It's not like you're using mechanical devices or something like that. It's just part of the game. And again, if the catcher is shoddy enough not to protect them, it's not cheating. You give Tatis credit for doing it. Yeah, I mean, you could be standing there in the batter's box, call time, turn your head and look to see where the
2: catcher could have been positioning their hands and get a Perfectly fine idea of where that pitch could have been going, right? And expect that's going to be the same pitch, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't see an issue with it at all.
1: No, but all the, the Dodgers are all upset, which tell me that, with the possible exception of Cubs fans, the Dodgers fans this year are going to be the biggest whiners in the National League. I, I just that, that's kind of where I'm going. And Oh, by the way, did everybody notice that after that debacle of the game on Friday, the Brewers came back with two solid wins on Saturday and Sunday? Okay, enough baseball. Here, here is the story. And this is this is a federal case, and I've been waiting all weekend to discuss it with you because I'm curious as to how you react. So here's the deal. There's a young lady goes to high school in Pennsylvania, and she's a sophomore. And the, the first year she was in school, she, she's on the junior varsity cheerleading team. Now, bear with me. Why are you talking about cheerleading? Because well, it raises this interesting larger issue. So she's on the junior varsity team the first year. So second year rolls around, her sophomore year, she goes to the cheerleading tryouts. She wants to be on the varsity. So she does the tryouts, and she doesn't make the varsity. She's going to be on the JV team for a second year. She's hacked off because she thinks she deserves to be on the varsity team. And also, there's a couple apparently freshman girls that come in, and and they're going to be on the varsity right away. And so she's, she's upset that she didn't make it. And that she got passed over by some 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 newer kids that she doesn't think is is as good as her. Okay, so that that's the bottom line. So here's what she does: she goes home on a weekend, on a on a uh, on a Saturday, and what she does is she takes she takes a picture of herself on her phone. Um, the picture is of her. With an upraised finger, and I will let you guess which finger she had upraised. And and here's here's what she she writes. She writes blank school, but she doesn't say blank school, it's the F word, blank softball, blank cheer, blank everything. So that she, she does that. And then what she does, she types that into Snapchat and then posts it. On the Snapchat story page, Snapchat is kind of like Facebook and things like that, except that the postings disappear after 24 hours. She sends it to about 250 friends. So you get the idea. She's hacked off that she didn't make the varsity team. And she takes this picture of herself with all this blank school, blank softball, blank cheer, blank everything. All right. She she's at home when she does this. She's not at school. She's not using school property. She sends it off. She sends it off to 250 friends, including a number of people that she goes to school with. All right. What happens is the school finds out about this, because even though the Snapchat disappears in 24 hours... Somebody sees it, shows it to their mother. Hey, look at this. You know, so-and-so is really hacked off. They take a screen capture of it, so it's around. So just for people who are thinking that stuff disappears from the Internet, the truth is it really doesn't. So it's, it's, there's, they take a screen capture of it, so it's out there. And so then a couple of the parents or whatever refer it to school authorities. Look what she did. And the school then suspends her as a result of this. All right. They say, okay, this is this is what you've done, you have suspended it. She says, wait a minute. I, I I wasn't at school. This wasn't on school grounds. This wasn't on school time. This this was on my own time. It was on a Saturday morning, and I, I had it was I was expressing my frustration with the school, but you don't have any right to suspend me for something that I did off campus not using school facilities, I have a right to freedom of speech. And, and yeah, I understand it's a little bit restricted, but you can't discipline me for speaking out on my own time. The school says, oh, yes, we can. And they end up suspending her. So what happens is this case starts working its way before the Supreme Court, and it is now in front of the Supreme Court and is is going to be argued about whether or not the school has the right to suspend a kid for, for speech. We're, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about speech. We're not talking about athletic codes where, you know, you, you say you're, you're not supposed to smoke dope and the kids go to a party and drink beer or smoke dope. We're, we're not talking about actions. This is pure speech that was done on her own time and did not involve school resources at all, but was critical of the school. The school says, look, th- this, this affects morale. This could cause a disruption to the school environment. So, even though she did it on her own time, um, she, she should be able. We should be able to discipline her for this. The, the young lady, her parents and the ACLU say, wait a second. I mean, this, this, this had nothing she was complaining about the school, but she has a right to do it. The school then says, well, you know, we're, we're supposed to regulate cyber bullying. And, you know, if, if you don't let us discipline her, you know, how are we going to be able to, to handle stuff that, that goes on off campus? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. What do you think? It's your kid or your grandkid. They're upset. They they send an arguably inappropriate posting that, that's out there, but it's on their own time. It's on their own. Uh, it's on their own dime. It doesn't. It's not involving school property. And yeah, they're complaining about what goes on at school. Should they be disciplined for this? Gee, I can't believe Mister So and So gave me a C. He's a real fill in the blank. All right, should the kids be disciplined? for doing that if they do it on their own time 855-616-1620 that's the academic mortgage talk and text line I, I i might have a kind of unpopular opinion on this but i think i think there is a free speech right and if you're on your own time when it comes to purely speech i i think the school i think it is an overreach for the school and we're not talking about threatening violence or anything like that that's that's a whole different story i'm going to kill the coach that's a different story this is just she thought she was unfairly treated she was taking to social media on her own time to express it i think she should have the right to do it what do you think eight five five six one six one six twenty we discuss jeff wagner on wtmj eight five five six one six one six twenty um, that's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A couple of texters saying, Jeff, if, if you did that, even though it's on your own time and, and on your own personal Facebook account, even though I don't have a personal Facebook account, do, do you think your employer could discipline you? Free speech isn't free of consequences. Okay, well, but there, there's a difference. Isn't there a difference between if you are an at-will employee or your employee that has a contract or something, that's a work relationship. This is different because this is a public school student. I mean, can a public school student on her own time criticize the school. Now you, you might think this was childish, you might think it was immature, but, but can she criticize the public school? And does the public school have the right to discipline her? I guess I see this as different than an employment situation. Yes, an employment an employment situation Typically, for at-will employees, you can be fired or suspended or disciplined for any reason or no reason. You can be fired. But this is an employment administrative situation. She didn't work for them. She just went to school there. Isn't that different? Let's start with Jeff and Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hi, Jeff. I think everybody is wrong in this situation. I think the school, instead of suspending her, should have dropped her from any extracurricular activities. And then... I think she's wrong because she needs to learn that rejection is a fact of life. And if, if she had done that at a job, she would have been fired. Yeah. And the problem with her, with the way she did it, is is, uh, is that she did use an obscene gesture and she did use profanity. So that right there, I, th- I think, is, is punishment
1: worthy. Well, I, think, I guess where I disagree with you, Jeff, is, is the, the, the punishment. Word. I mean, who gets to decide how you punish her? Now, if, if for example, if that's my kid... I, I might be saying, okay, look, I this is not this is not the image I want you presenting to the world. This is inappropriate. I am taking away your cell phone. Or I you know, I, I'm I'm grounding you or whatever. So but I think it's for the parents to the, the parents to impose the discipline. In this case, the school let's face it, the school is just embarrassed. The school was embarrassed, they were shown up by this this girl and they got upset about it. And and is that enough of a reason if you're a, a public school Administrator, for example, th- doesn't some criticism come with with the territory? I mean, where where do you end up drawing the line? I don't think anybody would argue. For example, if um, I, I decide I want to criticize, I want to criticize some high school for not putting somebody on the cheerleading team. All right, do I have a right to do it on the radio? Well, of course, I do. I have an absolute right to do it. So, does this girl give up her right to criticize the school merely because? She attends the school. And to me, I see this as a pure, a pure free speech case. You change the facts a little. You know, if you're, if she's engaging in what we would call cyber bullying, you know, if she's stalking somebody, if she's threatening harm, that to me, it's a completely different situation. But that's not what she did. She, she went on and she, you know, posted this. She's making an obscene gesture. No question about it. She's using language that I think most of us would not condone. She's behaving in an immature fashion. Okay. But that, isn't that between her and her parents? Jeff, if you do that representing your place of employment, would you expect discipline? yes and I guess I just see this as different than an employment situation you know she she 's a student at a public school. she decides to criticize the public school. Does that give the school administrators the right to discipline her because they don't like the fact that she 's criticized them and my answer would be no. In contrast, in an employment situation, you criticize your boss, and, and yeah, there, there's a very good chance that there's going to be some ramifications and some repercussions, and I'm cool with all that. That that that's fine. But to me, a public school setting is different than an employment. Um, setting. Jeff, my understanding is she was also in the cheer squad. She is a representative of the school. There are consequences for your actions in life and kids need to learn this. Sorry, I agree with the school. Well I I and again I I guess my problem is that allows the school to essentially say to kids, you can't criticize us. You you don't like a particular teacher or a grade that you you can't you can't do it. And I, I think people have the right to criticize other people. And the question becomes, where Where do you draw the line? And, and at what point in time can you be retaliated against? And again, in this case, it, it's a school setting. It's not an employment setting. Um, Jeff, I think you've changed my mind. Free speech wins unless there's some athletic code for, for cheer. Well, um, not that situation. Jeff, former teacher here, how about using this as a teaching moment? She can be upset, but she can do free speech without the profanity. Well, again, I, I'm from the parent's perspective, if I'm her mom or dad, I'm saying, look, honey, I'm, I'm really disappointed that you decided to, to vent your frustration in this fashion, and this isn't a very classy way to do things, and I'd hope that you could do better. But as far as the school simply saying, well, I mean, she's called us out, she's embarrassed us, and now we don't like that, so we're going to discipline her. Jeff, the school board has a legal right to set the policy. She signed a code of conduct when she enters the school. It's in the student handbook. She deserves to be disciplined. Well, I know, but she didn't act out. There was no misbehavior. All there was was the speech. In any event, the school board is going to decide this. We'll see how it turns out. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic
0: Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Sorry, I think these people are out of luck. Here's another fascinating story that I've been wanting to discuss with you. I want to revisit something. We might have talked about this when it was in the news, oh, a year or so ago. But I'm, I'm fascinated by how you think this should turn out. In, in Madison, you, you have Lake Mendota, which is uh, – everybody wants to go out on, on Lake Mendota. And there, there's a, a Madison neighborhood, Maple Bluff, um, really, really nice, expensive houses, especially those that are on, on Lake Mendota. So here, here you have you have these two houses that are, are worth like a million dollars or more right on, on the lake. Between the two houses, there is a strip of property. It's called Outlot D. And it runs from the it's about 40 feet wide and it runs from the the street all the way down to the lake. All right. The the people in the neighborhood, you know, that that live in the neighborhood, they have by deed. They have the, the right to have public access. They can cross this strip to get down to the lakefront. So that they can have, they can get, they can physically get to the lake. But they don't own the, this, this out lot D. They don't own the strip of property. Its neighbors have the right to, to go down and walk down it. So here's the deal. that The person that originally owned out lot D, decades and decades and decades ago, um, stopped paying taxes on it so that the thing has just it it's it essentially gave up ownership of of this lot so that this out lot D has been essentially vacant nobody's been paying taxes on it or anything like that for years and years so ultimately the county or the state or whatever they foreclose on it for a failure to pay taxes and they put it up for for sale so what happens is the owners of one of these two pieces of property that that it it runs through they buy it they pay like 35 grand for it all right so they now own the property now that still gives people the right to walk across the property cuz they have, they have the right they have access to it it's not their property but if i live in that neighborhood i can walk from the road across this 40 foot wide strip and get down to the lake that that's the way it works even though i don't own it all right so so why is there a controversy well here's the story for years and years the people in the neighborhood had put in a, a little pier at the end of at the end of the, the property at the end of out lot, lot D now they don't own out lot D but they had put in a little pier so they could use that for for their boats they could you know take their boats down there and they could launch them and stuff even though again they have they had the access right to go across the ground now apparently the right you, you need the pier there because the there's like there's, like, rocks and mussels and stuff. You can't just pull the boat up. You you need to have a pier there. And so they, they put in this private pier that they've had there for years and years. Well, here's what happens. One of the guys that owns one of the pieces of property buys out Lot D. So he now owns the property. And then what he does is he puts his own pier in. He, he says, look, I'm going to put my own pier in. I mean, I own the property. And, yes, you have a right to walk across the property, but you don't have a right to put a pier at the end of, of what is now my property. And so all these people are saying, well, wait a second. You know, we, we've been for years, you know, we put, we put a pier in there and it admittedly it's kind of fallen into some disrepair and stuff like that. But, you know, we've put a pier in there and, and that's how we've gotten our boats into the water. Well, the guy says, well, look, you have every right to come across the, the property. You've got a right to walk across the property, but you don't have a right to put a pier there. It, it's my property, and I'm putting a pier there. So it effectively – yes, people could walk down, down and they could get to the lake, but they can't launch boats or anything. So now there's this huge hassle and, and a huge pending lawsuit that's out there. The um, – Owner of the property, the guy that bought out Lot D, he's now in the process of suing all the people saying that you, you don't have a right to you know put a peer there. Big, big mess. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. The, the residents of the area are saying, hey, this isn't fair. You know, for years and years and years, we've been able to walk down to the waterfront. We've been able to put a pier in and we've been able to use it to launch our our boats, even though we we don't own the property. Guy says, well, you can still come down. You can still cross the property, but you don't have a right to have a pier in there. I want my own pier that's put in 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm curious to see how you respond to this. I actually think the homeowner is right i mean the the homeowner owns that land people have a right to cross it but i don't think people have the right to put a pier up on somebody else's property and i guess the lawyer in me looks at this story and says okay what what happens if there is some liability what happens if i don 't know somebody is down there on your property on on the on a, on a pier that they put in and something happens they fall off into the water and they paralyze themselves or there 's some sort of accident or something. Are you as the homeowner liable for that eight five five six one six one six twenty that 's the accident mortgage talk and text line for decades and decades residents in that community have not only been allowed to walk down to the lakefront, but they've also been allowed to put in their, their own pier and use it to launch boats. Now the guy who now owns the property says, yeah, you can walk across it, but I'm putting my own pier in there and you can't use it. To which the residents say, well, it's not worth very much if we can't use it to launch boats. Who's right? Who's wrong? I actually side with the homeowner. 855-616-1620, what do you think? We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Everyone 16 and older is now eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. Do you have a question about the vaccine, getting back to work, opening schools? Well, please join our very own John McCure tomorrow at 4 o'clock for a special WTMJ roundtable, Vax VaxFax 2.0. John will be joined by Dr. Ben Weston, a leading health official in Milwaukee County to help answer your questions about the vaccine. Want to hear your question on the air? Well, give us a call at 414-203-8105. That's 414-203-8105. And don't forget to join us at four o'clock tomorrow for a special WTMJ roundtable, VaxFax 2.0 on News Radio WTMJ sponsored by Dave Drake Heating. Now, a number of people are emailing me and they're saying, well, well, why why, why do people have a right to to cross this this property in the first place well what, what happened was fifty years ago one hundred years ago, whenever they created this neighborhood they, they set this this one forty foot wide stretch of property. Even though it was going to be owned by one person, because they realized there was a value to being able to get to the lake, they gave in the deed the right that everybody in this neighborhood would have the right to come across this property to get lakefront access. So it's a deed restriction. It's a deed thing that they're allowed to do it. To me, there's a difference between saying to someone, "You can walk across somebody's property," and you get a chance to, you have the ability to put a structure on somebody else's property, and, and that's what the that's what the, the pier is. Now, the folks say, "Well, if you don't let us put a pier there, there's really no value." Yes, you can walk down to the lake and you can stand there and look at it, but we need it to be able to launch boats. To which my point is, sorry, that a, a pier is different. It's one thing to say you can walk across my property to get to wherever you're going. It's another thing to say you get to build something on my property. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I uh, actually commented on this story when you aired it last year, and my feelings have not changed. Um, It's personal property. He owns it. He has the right to do with it as he pleases. And as you said, there is that liability issue that adds, you know, to him wanting to keep it um, the way he wants to keep it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I'm sitting there, I'm picturing somebody swimming off this dock and they hurt themselves. You know, who, who, what's the liability going to be?
4: It would be on him, uh, unfortunately. And I don't think, the, you know, no one's thinking that far ahead, I mean, that are wanting to use the pier, but they probably would be the first to say, well, you know what, it's his pier, so he's responsible. So I feel for the people who have been able to use that here for a long time. But, you know, personal property and liability, um, you know, in a court of law, I think he would
1: win. Well, right. And the answer, thanks to the call. The answer is if you've got a problem, well, then what you need to do is, you know, rent a slip at the marina or something like that. It's just to me, I think, you know, there, there's people that get I understand you get used to doing something. Hey, nobody's made a big deal about this. We've been able to. He'll you know, walk down and, and put in this pier for years and years, and now the guy that's bought it is saying no. Well, I, th- to me, that's that's just kind of what happens. I mean, maybe maybe you have a neighbor that for years and years has let you – you know, go into his backyard and and go hunting. Let let's say you you live up north and stuff, and the guy's got five acres of forest, you know, behind his place, and you live next door, and he lets you go into the forest and deer hunt, and then sells the property, and somebody else comes in and says, "Sorry, I, I don't want you hunting on on my property." Don't. I mean, you have a right. You have a right to you know do this, Jeff. I think this is common sense. It's his land. It's his choice. Well, that that's kind of how I see it. Jeff, why would people be able to use that property if it's privately owned in the first place? And, and again, my understanding is when the neighborhood was created, the, the idea, the developer's idea, let's say, you've, I don't know how many houses there are, 20, 30, however many there are. They wanted everybody to be able to get down to the lake, so they created this, this lake access and that, that's all well and good. That's why they, they did it. Because undoubtedly, if you have lake access, it, it enhances the value of your property. And it's one thing though to say you have lake access. It's another thing to say that you can build a structure on there. And that's, you know, that's the, to me, the operative fact. Jeff, it's no different than if you had a vacant lot next to your house that you were able to use. Let the kids play on, even if you maintained it. Once the lot is sold and someone builds on it, you don't have the right to be there anymore. Yes, yeah, see, I, I, you know, I, I think this is kind of simple and straightforward. Jeff, my father and I camp in Wyoming every year. We take a public access road through private land to get to our campsite, but we recognize that the property owner could close that access road at any time, and then we'd be out of luck. I'd say that this is a a similar. Sort of situation. Yeah, I, I think it is. Jeff, I think the access easement is defendable. Sure, you can get to the lake. Uh, building structures on another isn't. Um, offer the owner a launch dock fee to use his. Well, and actually what's happened is they, they've got a marina. They, they've got a public marina um, that slips are available in. So more and more people, it, It's if, if you want to get out on the lake, here, instead of putting in some sort of makeshift pier on property that doesn't belong to you, what you need to do is you need to um, come on out and you, you need to, I mean, rent the slip that's there. Let's talk to Carol in West Dallas. Hi, Carol. Good afternoon. Hi. What do you think? Can you hear me? I can. Go ahead.
5: Uh, I agree with the homeowner.
1: Okay. Uh, Carol, you, okay, I am sorry. I got to let you go because you are listening to. You've got your radio turned up, and what happens is you hear yourself seven seconds in delay, and that that drives you crazy, and it drives me crazy as well. Yeah, I agree with the homeowner too. Big story in the Madison papers today, and they're 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 trying to work it out. The homeowner's like, "Look, I am I am I am trying to figure out you know some some way to do this, but as far as because." You get to a certain point where, I mean, the homeowner is getting a bad rap, in my opinion. The homeowner's being criticized as being, oh, you're, you're this lousy neighbor. To try to start a lawsuit to enforce, to stop people from being able to put in a pier is a very expensive proposition, and there's all sorts of other difficulties. So it's best if you work this out. But the bottom line is, his property, it's one thing to let people walk across it. It's another thing to put a pier on it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, IndyCar, Rev Group, Grand Prix at Road America, and Heiser Automotive. We are honoring police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and our loved ones. If you know of a first responder that deserves recognition for their duties, text the word SERVICE to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620 or go to WTMJ.com. The deadline for your submission is May 7th. It's Waterstone Bank's Salute to Service on WTMJ. All right. All right. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at JeffWagner620, I have a link to a story, a br- the headline that caught my attention, Brawl at Miami International Airport Ends with One Arrest. Okay, so here's the deal. Um One person is charged with disorderly conduct following a brawl at a Miami International Airport, which was captured on video and since has gone viral. Miami-Dade police have identified the one guy, one of several people involved in the chaos on Concourse D, Gate 12, in the American Airlines Terminal. The passengers were waiting on their flight to Chicago when a group of people started fighting after being told that there were just three standby seats available for their party of four video posted on social media shows the melee i always love that word melee shows the melee and people standing by trying to stop it although you don't see too many people trying to stop it after it spread to two locations according to the police the people who were attacked were not with the group trying to get on standby investigators don't know what caused the violent fight One fight was next to the check-in counter, where a man can be seen getting punched and kicked repeatedly by at least three people. When the camera pans to the right, several other people can be seen punching and kicking each other next to a row of seats. Witnesses can be heard saying, guys, stop it. Um, You're going to kill him. Somebody else is saying, security. Um, A woman is saying, stop it. You're going to get in trouble. Okay, so I I encourage you to look at this because it is a full-blown Pier 6 brawl in, in like, an airport holding area. And there's, there's like, you can, you can see this, and there, there's people, you know, one guy's on the ground, and there's three people kicking on him, and there's other people that are, like, going over chairs and stuff. It is a full-blown brawl. Now, what is going on in this that really catches my attention, though, not just the fact that you've got people with the impulse control of fruit flies who are in a fight over whatever reason. It's that you, it, people are standing there filming this. you know, uh, excuse me, um, maybe you guys should stop. I mean, there's people getting the crap kicked out of them, and everybody has their cell phone out. Now, we talked about a variation of this the other day with the situation in Columbus, Ohio, where you had the 15-year-old girl who had the knife in her hand, and the cop ends up rolling up and has to shoot her, and now this is this, you know, national cause celeb. And, And one of the points that I made and one of the points that one of our callers made, we talked about it, is what's with these people that are just standing around watching this whole thing occur. And and not just watching it, but of course now everybody has the ubiquitous cell phone. You pull that out and, and you're filming it while people are, are just beating each other senseless. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want you to be honest, right? If you're in a situation where something like this this airport fight has broken out, it doesn't appear that anybody's armed. there's beating on each other and there's, 50 people that are standing around watching this, and there's 5 or 10 people that are involved in this. I mean, do you get involved? Do, do you try to break it up? Do you try to intervene? Or do you just pull out your cell phone and film it, and then, you know, news at 11?
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, th- this... Is the latest in a series of things that are happening. There was a story out of New York a week or two ago about how, uh, and, and it was one of these that that fueled the stories about the anti-Asian crime. And it was a situation where a couple people were just kicking the crap out of an, an older Asian man, and you had all sorts of people that were on the street just just standing by, kind of watching it happen. And you know, some people pull out the video, they pull out their phones, and and they. They video it, and you've got the film of it. But it seems like we have this happen all the time, whether it's the 15-year-old in the stabbing situation in, in Columbus you know, a week and a half ago or this incident in Miami that I just sent out on Twitter. You know, people just watching these brawls and, and standing by. Now, I understand that there's a situation like if you, if you see somebody drowning and you can't swim, well, are you going to jump in and try to wade out to them? You, you, make, you make matters worse. So I understand there's that. But if you're in a situation where – you can collectively, for example, you've got this brawl that's going on and there's 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 people standing around where you can, in fact, intervene. You can go in you can try to pull the people apart. Do you do that or do you just kind of stand by and wait for somebody else to come up and and clean up the mess? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mark in Kenosha. Hi, Mark.
4: Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Well... I would like to preface by saying I would consider myself the kind of guy that would step in and and intervene and try and break up a fight, uh, especially if it's just, you know, like a a fist fight or something like that. But I think one of the big reasons that would turn a lot of people off and make them not want to do something like that is the fact that if, say you tackle a guy who's fighting someone and he breaks his arm or something, Mm -hmm. well, now he's going to come after you criminally and sue you to... Right. get damages you know so there's a there's a risk there of trying to be the good guy but then you end up uh on a, sh- with a short stick because uh, you're going to be liable for it
1: do you think that goes through a lot of people's minds that gee I- i'm watching i'm watching these these two fifteen year olds just wail on each other and you're, you're standing there with 10 or 12 or 15 other people do you think that that, that like the liability issue that you raise which is legitimate by the way do you think that's what goes through people's minds? gee if i intervened i i might get sued Or is it just, is the real reason that they, I just don't want to get involved, or or something like that?
4: I think it breaks down to three different categories. you got one like the people that you're talking about that just want to get a clip to put up on YouTube, make a few bucks off of it. Then you've got the people that are concerned about being criminally liable, that they don't want to get sued for something. And then you have the last group of rational, sane people who say, you know, I this girl's got a knife. I'm not trying to get stabbed or killed. I got right. kids waiting for me at home, you know, uh, I think that'd be, be nuts to jump in when you see someone with a weapon. Now, that being said, I think I'm kind of a dummy that would probably jump in anyways, just because I, I don't want to see someone get, right. but uh, I
3: think that
4: if- it's unreasonable to expect someone to say, you know, when there's weapons involved, maybe I'm going to take a step back. You know, that that's what we have police for. Right.
1: But uh, I think, Well, it, you would you would think that that's what we have police for, but of course, you, it, you know, as we've seen with the Columbus situation, when the police roll up, then you have the Joy Behar's of the world who are then saying, well, oh my gosh, you know, she, one was going to get stabbed by the other, and the officer pulled out his gun, and he shot somebody to save somebody else's life. He should have shot a gun. He should have, should have shot up in the air or, or tried to shoot or in the leg or something, which you want to just kind of like roll your eyes and say, "Well, it, that, that's not quite how it works." Okay, do do we not get involved? And and is there, you know, I mean, Hillary Clinton always used to say, "You know, it, it takes a it takes a village." Well, at at what point in time that does the village you know have to intervene? Now, look, I'm, I'm going to be the first to tell you that let let's look again at that thing that happened—the brawl in Miami. If it's just me standing there, and you've got like eight people that are wailing on each other. Yeah, I- I'm going to be the guy that calls security and stuff. I- I'm not jumping into a fight with, with eight people. At the same time, if-, if there's a large group of people that are around, it- the idea that, you know, maybe you would intervene with a bunch of other people and try to. You know, separate the folks to stop somebody from getting hurt as opposed to just standing by and, oh, isn't that terrible? Here, let me film it. If it's a situation where you can get involved and do so with a modicum of safety, wouldn't the world be a better place if, if we did? Hey, there's eight guys that are standing there watching somebody kick the crap out of some elderly man. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want somebody to just say, okay, here, I'm going to do more than just say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, Jeff, I'm a law enforcement officer. We would never recommend to get involved in the situation or a brawl where you do not know anyone involved or the circumstances. Be a good witness, take video if need be, and later on provide an anonymous statement. It's not worth your safety. Huh. Well, I guess my problem with that is that if, if it's you or your kid or your spouse And you find that, you know, they're they're being attacked and they're being beaten severely. And there's all sorts of people just kind of standing around watching it and nobody's trying to intervene. I I mean, yeah, it's one thing to be a be a good witness so that when the cops do ultimately show up, you know, you can you can point out who was responsible. But by that time, it might be too late. Might it not? Let's talk to um, Barb. Barb, you're on WTMJ.
5: Right. Um, you know, I was just thinking I, I was just thinking you mentioned the Seinfeld uh, episode, but they also have the episode uh, about depraved indifference too. Right. so guess but i don't think that would apply here, but yeah, I mean if if it was a large group of people. Uh, like in the incident that you're talking about, I think I would first kind of look for security. But other than that, I don't think I could help myself if somebody was right there to at least try to pull them off right. of another person, um, and again, if there was the amount of people that you're talking about.
1: Well, yeah, it's a full flight. You know, I mean, it's, it's a full probably, flight. Everybody's waiting to get on the flight, you know, so I mean, there's all sorts of people that are around. It's not like, yeah. it's not like it's an isolated you're, street.
5: You're probably with somebody else that you know, so you could probably, you know, go one on either side right. of at least one person right. I, yeah i well, don't understand just standing there
1: well i mean barbara I get, filming and, it right and see and, and and on the one hand i, I understand the intellectual thing okay you're going to be a witness but it, what i guess what really strikes me is what if that was you or or what if you know again that was somebody that, that's close to you and, and all of a sudden for what whatever they don't know what started this whole thing you know there's some people that are <clears throat> upset cuz they a the whole group can't get on stand I, I don't know don't know what started the thing but all of a sudden you just imagine you got one guy Who's, and, and that guy is you, who for whatever reason you have, you know, like three or four people that have decided they're, they're just gonna wail on you. And so there, there, you're, you're being beaten by three or four people. And you, you got everybody else standing around and watching it. And, oh hey, hey, you might get in trouble or, or, you know, somebody calls security or whatever. And, and I guess I understand the attitude and on the one side saying, we're, we're not gonna get involved. But the flip side is, if that was you, Wouldn't you want somebody to be involved? If that was your husband, if that was your kid that was being pummeled in that situation, would you want to say, say, okay, there's 40 people that are around there. Everybody's got their cell phones out, and everybody's filming it, and we're waiting for however long it takes for security or the cops or whatever to get there. Or would you want, hey, there were 10 or 15 men that were on the scene. I don't mean to be sexist here, but it's like, okay, we're – We're going to jump in here and we're going to separate these two people and and we're going to hold them or or we're going to pull them off the guy. So they're going to pull them off whoever it is that's getting beaten so they don't end up dead. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I'd like to think that there'd be somebody if I was just getting the crap kicked out of me. For any reason or no reason, that there'd at least be a couple people that that might come up and try to offer assistance and at least try to stop it, instead of just saying, "Okay, well, we're filming it so we can be good witnesses." You know, once once the police roll up, and and by the way, we'll we'll show up at your funeral. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Rain in Milwaukee. You're in WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hey Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I. I've been in these situations before in high school. Uh, you know, the kids love watching a fight, but, you know, eventually somebody's got to break it up. Uh, you mentioned the Seinfeld episode, which is funny, and the, there's a reason why Seinfeld was so popular, because it resonated. But those guys, you know, the cast members ended up in prison. Um, well, final thing I want to say is that, you know, we belong to each other. And uh, if you have the power to stop somebody who's getting their head kicked in and you don't, uh, the part of that's on you. And finally, uh, intellectually, you got to put yourself in a criminal's mindset. You know, why do they feel that they're capable of perpetrating that crime? It's because you're sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, watching. It's because they know that you're not going to get involved. And, you know, that's
4: that's what I have to say.
1: No, well, thank you. Know You know, it's and to your point, they have got a really thoughtful text. And this is, okay. September 11th, 2001, we're, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of it. And, and somebody makes this point. Jeff, just think of the change in society. During September 11th, we had passengers fighting hijackers, united as one group. Now people stand around and watch. And I would add, and film it. You know, it's, it's just that. And yeah, and I understand that there, there's risks that could be taken. There was a case a couple of years ago, and it was, um, I, Guy is in a convenience store trying to rob it. And what happens is you have three people who are in the store who jump on the guy and, and take take his gun away. And, yes, I think there might have even been a lawsuit that the bad guy, you know, filed. I don't think it ended up going anywhere. But it, it is it is interesting. Now, think about, again, what happened on September 11th. Plane being hijacked, you have you have these passengers that that rush the hijackers, and, and ultimately it led to crashing. But but they, they weren't going to let that flown that plane be flown into the Pentagon or wherever it was or the Capitol, wherever it was destined to be flown into. I mean, they they were going to intervene. And now we, we just pull out our cell phones. And by the way, I, I want to reiterate, I, I'm not arguing if it's a situation where clearly you're going to make matters worse if. You know, and and you're you're probably going to get hurt yourself. I get it, but what struck me about this story in Miami is there it's a crowded airport, and you've got a full flight. So, you know, you've got a whole bunch of people that are around there. This is a fight that involves a half dozen or a dozen people, can't tell exactly. But, but you know that there's a lot of people around there, including a lot of able, able bodied men and women who I, if collectively, if it was you're killing that guy and you kind of intervened and, and you had a group of people trying to pull these people off the guy that's getting, you know, kicked, you you would be able to do it. And, and wouldn't, wouldn't we expect Wouldn't we hope that there would be people who would intervene if that was us and we were the victims? That's the food for thought from this topic.
6: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: The Greater Milwaukee International Car and Truck Show is back. It's a car enthusiast paradise featuring hundreds of the latest cars and trucks. We take you inside Wisconsin State Fair Park for all the sights, the sounds, and smells. Tune in next Wednesday, May 5th, for a special Wisconsin's Afternoon News with the Greater Milwaukee International Car and Truck Show. Jeff, years ago, I would have certainly intervened. Nowadays, I really don't think I would, not knowing who may start shooting, etc. Although, if it was a male beating on a female, i definitely step in um, regardless. Jeff, my wife and I were at a metro station in Chicago. When a man collapsed, a huge crowd was waiting to get on the train, and everyone walked over him. Finally, a security guard came to help. Doesn't give a good vibe for for mankind. And and yeah, that's I guess that's sort of the issue, Jeff. It isn't the spectator's job to intervene. That's the security jobs, uh, security guard's job. I'm not going to risk getting hurt. Okay, I just, with all due respect to our texter. It isn't the spectator's job to intervene. That's the security guard's job. I'm not going to risk getting hurt. Okay, that's all well and good. I hope sincerely that the person who sent me that text is never in a situation where they are, for whatever reason, being attacked by a couple guys or gals or whatever, being pummeled, you know, and you're just beaten and a bunch of other people standing around watching, saying, oh, gee, somebody should call security. Well, we don't think security is going to be here for a couple minutes. So I, I just hope you remember that it isn't the spectator's job to intervene. It's a security guard's job. I'm not going to risk getting hurt. Well, OK, that that's that's fine. But but what what happens when that's you? And again, the the distinction that I'm trying to make here is, I I think in this airport thing, for example, you you had a large group of people that were there. Look, I I understand if it's a big brawl and there's one of you. I I get that it doesn't make any sense to jump in. Just like in my example about, you know, if if you don't swim well and you see somebody that's out there drowning, you know, jumping in doesn't do anybody any good because chances are then there's just gonna be two people that are drowning. But if you have the ability to intervene and you think you're in a position where you can do that in, in a relatively safe environment. Now, I understand breaking up a brawl is tough, but if there's 10 or 12 of you that are there, you, you've clearly got an advantage over that. So I, I just throw that as food for thought, and for, for everybody who says, well, there, there's no way I do it, what if it was you? And that's, that's what you have to think of. All right, the more we get into the summer, the more I start wondering whether the, these festivals that are still on the books are, are really going to occur. Um, the story, I think it was Friday or maybe Saturday, that is, you know, Summerfest kicked back its, its dates from like late June, early July. They kicked them back to September. I really hope Summerfest is is pulled off. I mean, the the idea of going for another year without Summerfest is just. I mean, it's really kind of unthinkable. But but here's part of the problem they have. You you not only have the the government restrictions on on COVID, and you not only have the the limits on the number of people that government puts on who can come out. On top of that, you've got the attitudinal things which are going on with people who are saying, well, okay, even though I've been fully vaccinated, or even though I'm not worried about it, and I, I don't feel comfortable going out with crowds. You know, that's not the government. Problem that that's something that people have to decide for themselves. But now you're starting to see more and more of these these major tours cancel their their summer tours for 2021. And as we've talked about before, <clears throat> most most of these big musicians, it's. A concert isn't a one-off sort of thing. By that, I mean the band doesn't get together, travel to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, put on a show, then break up and everybody goes home. Typically, there there are tours. That's how they make their, their money. You're in Detroit one night. You're in Chicago the next night. Two nights later, you're in Milwaukee. Day after that, you're in Minnesota. That That's how these, these things get, get booked. And as... As, as more and more of these venues, well, we're not sure if we're not sure what's going on in Michigan. You know, Michigan, we don't know if we can play the stadium there. As, as more and more of these, this uncertainty exists about the whole national tour. More and more bands are canceling. Um, the, the news just the other day was that um, some, for Summerfest, they, they had Santana and Earth, Wind, and Fire, who had been booked to perform at Summerfest. Um, the hope was that they would they would perform this year. They were booked last year. They've announced that um, they're they're not going on tour this summer. They're, they're pushing everything back to 2022. Again, it's another blow that you have, because even if you want to do the event, you know, are, are there going to be enough entertainers that are out there to make it worthwhile? And by worthwhile, I mean, you can probably always find local bands, but you, you got to fill up the amphitheaters. And there's only so many people that can do that. Back with more in just a minute.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So Melissa, you want to know how my Monday started off for the second week in a row?
6: Well, I'm gonna guess. Can I guess here? Sure. Uh I, I would say your car didn't start.
1: You you got it in yep. one. Okay, so for people who are not familiar with it, it and there is a larger point here. So I have a I have a new car i mean it's i, I bought a new car yeah two two months ago three months ago maybe it's got two thousand miles on it so last monday i go out to start the car and the battery is completely died it's it's just com- completely dead all right and i'm like okay it's it, it, i did not leave the lights on i didn't leave the doors on, nothing like that there's no reason for a a, a car with two thousand miles to have the battery dead so i, I want to have somebody look at it so i i instead of just It's covered, Honda roadside assistance and all that. So instead of like jumping it and trying to worry about driving in, I I call, they come out, they they tow it into the nearest Honda dealer, which was not the one where I purchased it at. So they they look at it, they call me up, say, Oh, good news, we, we charged the battery. And I said, Well, Okay, but why did the battery die in the first place? You know, obviously there's there's something going on here. Well, you know, we're we're this is only the first time this has happened. This, we're, we're not allowed under warranty to do anything more. We charge it, and it's we've tested it. and It's looking okay. There's
6: like certain protocol they probably uh, I, had to do.
1: Well, well, right. But mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay. Well, again, my example is you walk into the basement and you find water all over the basement. You can. You have two things. You, you can, like, wipe it up and then just pretend it didn't happen, or you can try to figure out, gee, where is this water in the basement coming from? Because you know it's going to come back. But okay, all right. So th- this is one. So fine, take the car, drive it, drive it fine. You know, I, it, it worked for, for a week, didn't notice there were problems starting it. Go out this morning, taking the dog for a walk, got the car loaded up, I had all these things to do, get in, and the thing is dead again. Ugh. Completely and totally dead again um well, sex it wasn't quite dead it's it's making all these like really weird noises but okay this is now the second time in a week so call honda roadside assistance they're coming out the, with the tow truck and and this time I said look I want you to take it to the dealer where I bought it because I was very unhappy with the uh, again, the first response I got, because obviously there is something wrong, and figure just figure it out. So this time they they took it into the place where I bought it, and I got a call about 1145 saying, well, we've got it, and we're going to look at it. And I was trying to be nice, saying, okay, look, this is the second time in a week. Don't just charge the battery and send it back. There is obviously, I don't know, I, I don't know anything about cars. It's either a bad battery, or there's a drain, or there, there's something going on, but this is now twice and and then of course i had you know i'm kind of a recovering lawyer and mm-hmm. you know in wisconsin the lemon law is four times and you got to give me a new car so figure this out yeah uh, yeah but i mean i don't want a new car i, I want i want you to finish this because now i don't it's i don't i don't want to go out on monday morning and not have the car
6: work well, you predicted this was going to happen though well, of course there was <laughs>
1: I did. Well, of course, you because you're like, oh, OK, well, because it wasn't OK. There's there is a reason why a you know, there is a reason why it was causing that, whether it's a bum battery or something. There's a reason why it died on a 2000 something mile car. Something is
6: making the battery drain. Right. Or, Some it could, element right, or, or,
1: or it's a defective battery. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not a mechanic. But it was it was frustrating when I. So here's the ultimate. Here's the question. So this morning, true story, I get one of those surveys from the dealership sure. that looked at the car last week. And I was starting to fill it out. And it was very, very negative because I'm mm. not very happy with mm-hmm. this. And I thought, okay, maybe this is one where, I, I was. I was, I had a professor in law school who always taught me, when you're mad, n- never send stuff off when you're mad. Just you I know, agree, you yep, write yep. the letter, Write, and this is back in the day before we had, like email, email makes it even worse, but it was back in the day when you'd write letters. You'd say, write the letter, have it typed up, and then put it in your desk drawer for a day. And when you come back the next day, if you still feel the same way, send it. But in all my career, I I never really, you kind of like dial down. So I I, I was writing off this this survey response and it was not very kind because I knew this was, they had not solved the problem. And at least the the good thing is the thing dies in my garage as opposed to dies at 11 o'clock at night, you know, when I'm coming back from a Brewers game and I'm stuck at Miller Park or something.
6: Right, right. So, okay. So it took one week for it not to work again. So was it a week Prior that you had bought the car? You, how long had you oh, had no, the I've car? Oh, no, I've had
1: the car for a couple months. Oh, okay. So, so o- obviously mm. there's something... Obviously there it's is something... It's getting
6: progressively worse. Well, there,
1: right. There's there's obviously like something mm. going on. And people, you know, everybody's got these different ideas. I, I don't know. You know, I, I have no idea, but it was just they didn't... And, and the guy was very clear last week. He said, well, okay, there, there's a warranty process. And I I understand. I guess their, their first thought is... The person who brought the car in is an idiot and they left the lights on or something. And, and that's right, why. Yeah, so yeah. we're not going to do any more exhaustive checking to figure this out. I was I was trying to say I'm not I, this is not what happened. Right. I, I did not leave anything on. There is they call it sometimes they call it parasitic drain, which is with these new cars. There's so many computer systems going that sometimes stuff doesn't shut off, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's just always running. Uh, w- whatever it was, I, I knew this was going to happen again, and so,
6: regardless of all of that, it's a brand new car, and you did not
1: expect well, to the, be dealing the, with see, all of that See, that's this. it. See, that's why that's people. That's why you buy a that's brand cars. Yeah. I I just I hate this stuff, and I understand it's a first world problem, but I, but I just I hate and and thankfully, my wife didn't have to go anywhere today. She and she just said here, take my car, and so mm-hmm. you know. But it, it was like it's a brand new car, you know, and it's. I get once, but after that, you should kind of fix it and stuff. So, in any event, I'm waiting for the call from the place where I bought it from because they, I was kind of very. I was nice, but I was like, okay, this is the second time in a week. Obviously, don't don't just charge up the battery and send me back because you, we know that's not the problem.
6: You told them that.
1: Oh, yes. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah oh 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 yes well, i you know I, I by made the it second very time
6: yeah i mean i would have done the same thing i would have said listen this there's something wrong with it other than a drain you know a, right. a battery it, being drained right
1: yeah. and, I, and i don't know what it is it could i i have, I have no idea That's i'm
6: anxious to hear uh what it, what is? What it is yeah well yeah. It,
1: it, it's or or we just can't figure it out so here you can have a new car that, you know whatever but it, it actually is it kind of shakes your faith in the stuff because yeah, sure. now i'm like
6: well now when you get it back you're going to be wondering for the next few weeks, is, is, am I going to get in my car and it's not going to work? Is it
1: going to do it? So I'm, 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 I will keep you posted on that. But this is the second Monday in a row. And it was funny because the guy at the, the first time said, well, do you drive it a lot? I said, well, I drive it every day. Now, it's true. I didn't drive it uh, two weeks ago. I didn't drive it on that Sunday. But you, you should be able to leave a car sit for a day. I mean, mm. I, I understand if you leave a car sit for a month it's not going to start but but in any event we'll we'll see so the continuing the the continuing saga saga. but yes it's it was monday to monday and you're right i did think i predicted that this was not going to happen i candidly i thought i might get more than a week out of it but i i didn't so stay tuned Mm -hmm. hey when we come back what should have happened what is justice for this cop i'll explain we'll discuss jeff wagner on wtmj (laughs) sorts of people sharing the the battery and the no-start problems and things like that. And I get it. Yeah, somebody somebody here, uh, Jeff, the dealer probably can't get reimbursed by Honda the first-time occurrence, to which, yeah, I think that's what they told me. And it's like, okay, this isn't... It's not my problem, though. <laughs> it's not my problem. You know, fix it. Jeff, my uh, daughter ordered tires on a, on a car six weeks ago. They still haven't arrived, but she got a survey email already asking how she likes them. Hmm. Jeff, I had the same problem with my Toyota Camry. I bought brand new from a dealership with only 60 miles on it um my it's my daughter um let's see Two thousand miles had the same problem came out to my car completely dead a week later after they got it back up and running completely dead again they ended up saying it was a faulty factory battery and they replaced it under the battery warranty so it's probably a faulty battery you know somebody else is saying maybe it's a defective um auto idle stop well that that is i i kind of wonder about that i talked about this on the radio too the in all new cars, they've got this feature, this auto idle stop, which is where if you stop at an intersection because of fuel efficiency, it shuts off the car. And I, I hate it. I know a lot of you hate it. But there's a way you can just disable it. You push a button. So I do that. I wonder if that if that's draining the the battery because the thing, I don't know what it is. It's just fix the darn thing. It's a new car. Okay. I am intrigued as to how you're going to react to this story. Uh, last night, In Kenosha, there was a a protest. About 40 people um, showed up outside, well, essentially, like like outside the police department. And um, they, they were demonstrating because they're protesting because... Kenosha police officer Rustin Shisky, he's the guy who was involved in the Jacob Blake shooting. He was returned to work. If you will remember that, you know, that there was a lengthy investigation. It was determined that there was no basis for criminal charges against the officer. And then, subsequently, they did an internal review, and they found that uh, the officer, Officer Shiskey, did not violate any Kenosha Police Department policies. So he, he's, he's back at work. He's been returned to work. So what happened is you had a number of people who showed up to protest yesterday. And, well, the way I'm looking at the story, what happened is a number of people kind of, like, linked arms and blocked the main entrance to the public safety building. Well, ultimately, they were, and by the way, the building, interestingly enough, still boarded over from the the riots last summer. So what happened is the police said, okay, you're going to have to leave, and a group of people refused to leave, and then the police arrested Three of the people, including Jacob Blake's uncle, for refusing to leave. They were they were had blankets on and they were locked in arms in, in front of of the building, staging their version of a sit-in or whatever. So they got arrested, booked by the county jail, and misdemeanor disorderly conduct charges. Okay, so that's that's the story. And again, there's some outrage that the police would be making arrests, to which I kind of say, well, you know what. What, what 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 do you you know expect you you go you block the entrance to a public building they ask people to leave you refuse to leave you, what do you think is going to happen but it bra- it raises the the larger issue that they're going to have to figure out how to deal with in Kenosha which is the the officer who was involved in this has been returned to, to duty the Kenosha Police Department said hey look we the the officer officer Cieskey he was he had been on administrative leave from the incident, the Jacob Blake shooting on August 23rd, he'd returned to duty on on March 31st. All right. Because he'd he'd been cleared, not charged with any wrongdoing, acted within the law, consistent with his training. We reviewed it internally. We found he acted within policy. He's not going to be subject to discipline. So he's back on the force right now. They're not letting him back on patrol. He's apparently assigned to, to desk duty, and you don't know exactly what he's going to be doing in the future. But he's been cleared, and, he, and he's back He's back on duty. A number of the activists in Kenosha don't like that. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. What is justice? I, I keep hearing this a lot. You know, no justice, no peace. We, we want justice. Well, oh, okay, last week I think that jury did justice in, in the, you know, George Floyd prosecution. A, a police officer, in my opinion, deserved to be convicted. That was justice. Alright, in this Kenosha situation, you have authorities that look at it and determine there's no criminal wrongdoing you have um, authorities that look at it and they find that the guy was acting within police procedure when he shot jacob blake that he engaged in no wrongdoing so what what is justice should he be fired should he not be allowed to go back to work how do you tell a police officer that has been essentially cleared of any wrongdoing he, he can't go back to work do you give in to the protesters who are out there saying, well, this is appalling. We're not going to have any peace in this community. It's an insult to people that the police officer is back on the force. Well, what is justice? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if after a review, it's determined that the officer who was engaged in involved in an unfortunate situation, but if he if he didn't violate civil rules, if he didn't violate any criminal rules, How in the world do you tell him you can't have your job back? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should in Kenosha, should they give in to the mob? Should they give in to the protesters and say, okay, we're going to fire him? Or do you got to give the guy his job back. Now, you can make a strong argument, just like I did with Joseph Mensah in Wauwatosa, that Because he had become such a hot potato, it might have been best for him to do what he ultimately did, which was move on. And now he's found a job with the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department. But if this officer, if he if he wants to continue to work in Kenosha as a police officer, is there any reason why he shouldn't be allowed to do it? My answer would be no. We discuss in a minute. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I always wrestle with this concept of, of what is justice. I hear that up. We want justice. We want justice for this, we want justice for that. And and you get it from various perspectives. But but my point is what 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 is justice? Now in the case of the, the shooting of Jacob Blake, the police officer, it was a thorough investigation. You know, they brought in outside agencies. They went through a detailed explanation of why criminal charges weren't appropriate. All right. So then then there's an internal investigation. Okay, were were their internal rules of the Kenosha Police Department violated? So they go through an internal investigation, and they find that under the circumstances, no, the officer behaved with what is train; training was consistent with his training, and, and no, he didn't violate any rules. So what is justice? You, you've got a, a group of protesters out there, several of whom were arrested last night, who are protesting because he's back on the job. Well, what, what is justice? I mean, he if it's determined... That he didn't commit any crimes, and it's determined that he didn't violate any internal rules. All right, what, what? what is justice how do you go and say well okay it's an unfortunate situation and yes somebody's paralyzed and that's a tragedy but you didn't do anything wrong at least in the eyes of the internal rules or the eyes of the law there'll be a lawsuit as well somewhere down the line and that'll all work itself out but but what is justice how do you say to this police officer you cannot continue your career here's a text jeff there's a sad new reality um criminal offenders who do anything short of killing often don't get punished but a police officer legally cleared of fault in executing their duty is deemed guilty in the public eye indefinitely and their career is threatened in an ongoing fashion i think that that is just you know plain Wrong. Um, well, yeah, I think that's it. Um, Jeff, you know, wouldn't it be refreshing if some activists put as much effort into illegal shootings in Chicago as they do with legal shootings? Well, that's always one of the, the ironies that's been out there when, when you have appropriately to an extent. There, there's a focus on every time the police are involved in a situation that they're, they're, they're under scrutiny. And, th- and that's fair. That's what that's what comes with the job. No question about it. But, you know, we have we have people people of color, um, white people, um, we have people being killed on a daily basis in the urban in urban areas. I mean, you you know, it, it's almost to a point in Milwaukee where, unless it's a spectacular killing, it doesn't merit more than like two cent, two sentences in in the local newspaper. Yet, over a hundred homicides, you know, last year, not quite as many this year, but that's only because at some point in time, there's only so many homicides that you can have, and and you just collectively th- there, there's no outrage over over that story in the Chicago Tribune the other day about a seven year old girl who was gunned down in a drive by shooting she's sitting in a car in a mcdonald's drive through for goodness sakes and you know you don't, you don't see major protests about that type of stuff don't get me wrong it is fair and appropriate to hold police accountable it is fair and appropriate to scrutinize the police when they act out but but at some point in time do, do you lose track of the forest for the trees just saying when we come back we're going to find out what john and melissa and greg have on their mind for wisconsin's afternoon news please stick around